Today we'll read Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the time or the seasons that the Father has fixed on his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, he went, and behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Boy, can, can you imagine that morning? Can you imagine that morning as, as Mary... Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Jesus, show up at the tomb. They'd prepared all those spices, and they, had, they, had, um, they were expecting to, to anoint the body of Jesus. And as they showed up to the tomb, it was strange. The, 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 the stone was gone. The, and, and they walked in, and there's no body. Can you imagine the fear, the worry, the, the wonder, the doubt, the the confusion, what's, what's going on? And all of a sudden, as they're looking around, the, the Luke 24 talks about the, that these two men in white robes all of a sudden just showed up and said, hey, he's gone. He's not here. And they're like, what? And you know, he's gone just like he told you he would. He's gone. And the ladies, they, they took off and they ran to tell the 11, Luke says, and, and they, they tell them, and they're like, his body's not there. Peter and, and John, they run and look and check it out. And can you imagine what happened just that night, like this night, back in the first century, as the disciples gathered in the upper room and, and they're standing there, they're, they're confused, they're like, what has happened? And, and all of a sudden, Jesus showed up right in front of them. And they're like... Oh my goodness, what, 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 what's happening right, right in front of us? Folks, let me tell you, today is an amazing day because Jesus is alive. He's alive. This is not, uh, this, this, this is a, a, a truth that, that is shaping our lives. And not only is Jesus alive, and not only did he raise from the dead, he's working right now today in our, in our lives among us, in our hearts, and drawing us, and moving in us, and, and God has something to say to each one of us, even today, in this moment. 
You know, the truth is, when I think about this incredible Easter morning and the resurrection of our Savior, the, the fact is that the, resu- the, 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 the movement of God didn't stop at the resurrection and, and the ascension that we just read about when Jesus ascended into heaven, but God is moving right now. And it's my prayer that we turn our face to him, our heart to him, our lives to him. And I, and I think about these men and these, these people in the first century. Why did they give their lives to him? Why did they surrender to him? Why did, why did they even go to the point of, of giving their own lives for him? I mean, they suffered persecution because of this. They, 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 they suffered ridicule. And even to the point of giving their lives, they gave their lives for this. Why did they do that? Because they saw him. And, and when, they, when they were faced with this, this question, hey, turn and, and deny him, and he's like, I, I can't. I saw him. Look at Acts 1. Stay there with me, Acts chapter 1, and let's look at this passage. It's an amazing moment. Acts 1, Luke writes. Luke is the author of the book of Acts, and, and and he's writing to Theophilus. Theophilus, I think, is, is a buddy of Luke's that, that Luke is trying to persuade and saying, hey, you've got to see Jesus. I, I want you to see who Jesus is. And so he writes literally a third of the New Testament. The, the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts are two really long books that when you add them together make up a third of the New Testament. And it's Luke, this physician, and and he's writing, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day that he was taken up. After he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he said, what's he talking about? He's referring to his gospel, the book of Luke. He's like, I've written all these things so that the people would know all the acts of Jesus and what he did. And, and, and look at verse 3. Luke says, and he presented himself alive to them after suffering by many proofs. I mean, can you imagine this moment? The, the reason the disciples were convinced that Jesus was in fact alive is they saw him. What did Jesus do? He presented himself alive. Now, this is is a magnificent claim. This is a magnificent moment, and for us, it would completely transform our lives. If if you, I mean, think, think about the disciples, how they could, in their own minds, wrestle with this when they saw him, that, wait a minute, uh, they, I saw the crown of thorns put on his head. Uh, we, we saw him carry his cross, and, and, he, and he walked down through the streets of Jerusalem. This was a public event. Uh, he was beaten in, front of, in public in front of everybody. We, we saw him be nailed to that tree. We saw it. We saw his lifeless body be taken down and then put in a tomb. We saw it. But then, then he presented himself alive. That got their attention. That would get your attention. And believe me, they were captivated. And and Luke points out Jesus presented himself alive after his sufferings by not just one proof, many proofs. And then it goes on, appearing to them 
the 40 days in speaking about the kingdom of God. And over a period of 40 days between his resurrection and ascension, Jesus appears to his disciples in different intervals. And, and they're looking at him going, I, I saw him. This left no doubt in their minds that he had risen from the grave. And folks, that's why we're here today. You know, one of those instances, flip over in your Bibles real quick to Luke 24, verse 45. Luke 24, verse 45. This is one of those instances that the Bible records that, that, that Jesus appeared to them many times. This is one of those intervals. In Luke 24, um, verse 45 says this, Jesus ap appeared to them after they'd watched him die, and he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Now, of course, their minds would be open to this. I mean, they had, Jesus had their attention. And he was like, hey, let me tell you what the Bible said. I'm telling you, if we were there, we'd be like, all right, what you got, Lord? I'm listening. I'm listening to you. That's exactly what we would do. He opened their minds to what? The Old Testament, to the prophets, to these predictions and these, these prophecies that were made about him years and years in advance. These prophets spoke, and, and he opened their mind to the scriptures, and he said to them, thus, it is written that Christ should suffer, and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. Jesus said to them, fellas, look, here's what's going to happen. You are going to go out and you're going to proclaim forgiveness of sins. And it's going to start right here in Jerusalem and it's going to go all over the world. You know what's amazing? Here we are 2,000 years later in Indian territory in the middle of Oklahoma or northeast Oklahoma. And... We're talking about Jesus who came because they saw him. And it was something that couldn't be stopped. Look, and, and one of the other instances of, of proofs that we see is right here, at, back to Acts 1. Turn there, Acts 1-4 is another proof that Jesus was in fact alive. Acts 1-4, and while staying with them. Do you see that? He stayed with them. You know, Jesus, who died, they watched him die, and he's staying with them. That's why when Peter was told to deny Christ, I can't. He stayed with me. I saw him. He taught me. After he died, I saw him. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. Look, the, all these truths, all these teachings are coming to a point. They're going, okay, I, I see this, Lord. I see you. For, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? What the disciples were looking for was, hey, you're going to deliver us from the Romans. You're going to help us. You're going to restore Israel. And Jesus was like, no, you got to understand, fellas, there's a bigger enemy in the world than the Romans. And it's this spiritual enemy, Satan, who is blinding eyes, who is deceiving, who is distracting. This is the enemy that is a greater threat to the history of mankind than Romans. 
Look, Jesus came to tell us my kingdom is not a worldly kingdom. It's not of this world. He's talking about the kingdom. and, And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Guys, that's not stuff you should be worrying about. You've got a job to do. And what's the job? Verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And this is the call still going on today. Now, historically, there's things we know about Jesus. We know about Jesus that 2,000 years ago, Jesus claimed to bring the kingdom of God to earth. Jesus claimed that. He said the kingdom of God is going to come to the earth. And guess what? That has happened. What is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God describes something that's going on right now, but it also describes something that is not yet. Here's what I mean by that. We get to experience the kingdom of God because God speaks to us. God leads us. God draws us. God answers our prayer. He gives us strength when we're struggling. God is at work in our lives. Right now, we get to see the kingdom of God in action. We got to see it today in two baptisms, people that responded to God's voice, and that's part of the kingdom of God right now. And 2,000 years ago, Jesus claimed to bring the kingdom of God to earth, but it's also a not yet. There will be a day that Jesus will come back, enter human history. There'll be a new heaven and a new earth, and all things will be restored and made right. And the Bible tells us this. 2,000 years ago, this is a fact about Jesus. He claimed bringing the kingdom of God to earth. Another fact about Jesus, large numbers of people believed in him all at once in first century Palestine after witnessing all his miracles. All these people started believing in him. And, and you know what? Last summer, we, we, a group from our church, we went to Israel, and we walked through the Via Dolorosa and the streets of Jerusalem, and, and we saw the places where Jesus performed miracles. And we were on the Sea of Galilee, the place where Jesus walked on water, and he calmed the storm. We were in the places where he healed people and helped blind people see. And folks, it's a fact about Jesus that that large numbers of people in first century Palestine looked at his miracles and said, you are God in the flesh. That's a fact about Jesus. Another fact about Jesus is that he had convinced those who were closest to him that he was God. I mean, it's a miracle that Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, these two Jewish leaders, I mean, Jews didn't didn't worship anything but Yahweh God, and yet these leaders, these Jewish teachers of the law, Nicodemus was a teacher of the law, he understood the Old Testament, and he looked at Jesus and said, you're the Messiah. And at his burial, they're the ones that got his body. And and you know, it's it's a miracle that even Jesus' brother was convinced that he was God. Now, that's a miracle in and of itself. I have a big brother. If my big brother, Mike, he lives in Edmond, if he was walking around saying, hey, I'm the Chris, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me, I'd look at my brother and go, man, shut your mouth. You're embarrassing our family. Be quiet. You know, I'm sure James is like, I've known Jesus my whole life. He's my big brother. But yet he convinced even James that he was God. How? How did he do that? Well, he rose from the dead. I mean, if my big brother rose from the dead, I'd be like, all right, all right, you are. 
James saw his older brother die, and then he conquered the grave. Folks, there are many proofs, because the fact is, history points to the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. He rose from the dead. And this has changed everything. And, 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 and another proof about Jesus is, is after he died, hundreds of people attested that they, they saw him. They saw him alive. I mean, turn over real quick. Another, another verse, 1 Corinthians 15.5 says this. 1 Corinthians 15.5 says that he appeared to Cephas, then to the 12, and then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. And Paul's writing this, and Paul is writing the letter to the first Corinthians, and, and he says this, and, uh, and most of whom are still alive. So Paul, when he was writing Corinthians, he was able to go talk to these guys and say, man, tell me what that was like. And they're like, we saw him. He showed up. He talked to us. And, and, and Paul says, most of those guys are alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and to all the apostles. And, and Paul com communicates, look, we've seen him alive. People saw him. Folks, Jesus rose from the grave. And it's been by many proofs. So we see this 2,000 years ago. Jesus brought the kingdom of heaven to, to earth. Large numbers of people believed in him. You know, he convinced those closest to him that he was God. G hundreds of people, so 500 people said they saw him. Another fact about Jesus is that thousands in first century Palestine believed in him and gave their lives to him. And you know, that's still going on today. We've already seen a testimony of someone even today giving their life to Jesus. And, and you know what? Maybe God brought you here today. We're so thankful that you came today. And maybe God has brought you here today to let you know that Jesus died for you and can change your life. Folks, th there are many proofs that point to the fact that Jesus has risen. And you know, there's another one. There's another proof that I just want to tell you today. If you have your notes, I want to give you three reasons why I believe it. Why I believe that the resurrection is true. And while I'm, why I'm standing here and, and, and in front of you wanting to kind of follow in, 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 in Luke's footsteps and say, would, would my friends, would you believe that Jesus really is alive? You know, when I think about how Jesus has changed my life, Folks, the resur resurrection has changed my life. And here's how it's changed. Because of the resurrection, point number one is this. There is a faith in my life that produces obedience. And this is what happens when you believe in the resurrection. When this, when this impacts your life, there, there is a faith that develops that, that really moves you to say, God, I, I must follow you. There's no other option but to look to you and surrender my life to you. Folks, if Jesus really did rise from the dead, there's no other option but him being Lord of all. And, all, and, and that reality, that truth, demands our complete surrender to his voice. So my question today, are you convinced that Jesus rose from the dead? Are you convinced of this? Are you convinced that Jesus actually conquered the grave? Now, this has huge implications for us because I'm going to go to the grave someday. 
And because Jesus conquered the grave, so will I and so will you if you follow him. Right now, do you have a present faith in Christ? Is that something that you possess right now, a trust in Jesus to save you, a trust that, that, that Jesus, I know that you're in my life. You can look back on a moment in your life where, where, where you've trusted him as your savior. Is that you? I'll tell you what, that has changed my life. This, this faith in him, the moment I trusted him, has produced this call, this desire to obey him and to surround myself with God's people in his church. And this is why God has planted our church in your life. What I love about this day is that, is that this is a day that most of the people that consider this church their home, they come. And I want you to know we're so glad. But you need us. We need you. We need each other. And so right now, do you have a draw to connect with other believers? Because this is part of the faith that produces obedience. I'm, I'm compelled to obey the Lord in everything I do. You know, Jesus has come. And I'm convinced of this, that, that, that it's our call to follow him. But, but another proof in my life, another reason I believe in the resurrection and another way that it's changed my life is there's a desperation. For number two, there's a desperation that requires prayer. You know, there's a desperation in my life that, God, I need you. I need to live in your kingdom. I need to live my life on a daily basis interacting with you. What is prayer? Prayer is communication with God. It's sitting and listening to the voice of God. Prayer is not just you talking. Prayer involves you listening to the voice of God and you connecting with your creator in a relationship. And I'll tell you what, I've discovered that I am desperate for a relationship with Jesus. And I would argue you are too. We are desperate for this relationship. That's what eternal life is. Eternal life, John 17, 3 says, now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ in whom you have sent, that eternal life is a relationship with Jesus. Is that something you possess? You know, I'm discovering that the blessing of living in the kingdom of God and, 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 and following the voice of God, Jesus has taught us and he taught in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6, 33, but, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you. That, that when, you, when, I, when I'm learning to, to seek the Lord and seek his face and, and interact with him and connect with him, the resurrection has produced this relationship with the Lord in my life that I'm desperate for. And I, would, I want to stand in front of you today and tell you, you are too. We're desperate for a relationship with Jesus the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. And I'm standing in front of you to tell you that God has brought you here today for that very purpose. If you don't have that, we're desperate for a relationship with Jesus. So I, I ask a question. Does God reign over your heart and your life? Is Jesus your Lord? Is he your Savior? Can I tell you, there's life is found the moment that he reigns over your heart and your life. But the third thing, 
the reason I believe in the resurrection. Look at Acts 1.8. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Point number three, the reason I believe in the resurrection is that there's a Holy Spirit that gives power. Folks, the Holy Spirit comes and gives us power, gives us strength, gives us vision, gives us direction, guides us, corrects us, moves us. This is what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. And it's one of the reasons why I passionately believe that the resurrection is a reality. And so, my question to you today, does the Holy Spirit convict you? Does the Holy Spirit convict you? Does he, does he correct you? Does he, does he guide you? Does he, does, he, does he move you to repentance? Does he, does he put things in your way and stumbling blocks in your way? I've discovered the joy of receiving the power of the Holy Spirit and, and hearing him speak to me and guide me. Does the Holy Spirit strengthen you? There's nothing like the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon you when we face trials and difficulties. And, and I know many of you, and, and you've gotten those phone calls where it's been like, I don't know what to do. I don't know where, I don't know where the strength's going to come from. I don't know where the help's going to come from. And guess what? It comes from the Lord. It comes from our relationship with him, and that's available to you. Ah, oh, do you know him? Does the Holy Spirit move in you? But look at Acts 1-9. It's amazing. But you, will, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The disciples get this message, and all of a sudden, they're standing with Jesus. He's teaching them. And, and when he said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up. And a cloud took him out of their sight. Now, can you imagine that moment going, uh, okay, see ya. Um, uh, what do we do now? He just left. And, and this was before special effects were a thing, okay? They'd not seen movies yet. And they're standing there going, okay. He's gone. And all of a sudden, two men, look what happens. While they were gazing into heaven, and you would be too, you would be gazing intently. As he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Folks, you know, I've got another question for you. Is the Holy Spirit getting you ready for his ultimate return. Because one of two things are going to happen to every one of us. One of two things. There'll be a day that either we will draw our last breath. And when that moment comes, and believe me, that is a moment on every one of our calendars. It's going to come at different ways and at different times. 
But that is a day that will come for every one of us. And when that day comes and we draw our last breath, we will be standing before the Lord. And either that's going to happen or we're going to be driving down 169, repenting of all the things we're thinking because of the traffic. We're going to be driving and there's going to be a trumpet. And even if you have your radio on, you will hear it. And boom, we're gone. He's coming back coming back to this earth. Jesus is returning. The Bible says he's returning to this earth. These men of Galilee opened up the window of the ultimate last day. They said this same Jesus will return. Are you ready for that? Are you ready for that? You know, on Friday night, Passion Week's going on, and, and it was our, like our first, second group that came through. It just was a mother and a daughter that came through, just that early, early group. And they were sitting down, and I said, tell me what the Lord said to you. And the mother said, you know, I don't know why I've never come to Jesus. I don't know why. And I was like, well, you could right now. She said, I think the Lord is, I think God is speaking to me. Oh, you can come right now. Well, and then she looked at me and she goes, how? How do I do that? I go, oh, let's, let's pray. Let's go to the Lord. You can go to him. You can talk to him. You can, you can come to him. And he won't turn you away. And right there, in that room over there, in one of these chairs, she trusted Christ as her Savior. And I want you to know you could do that today. Do you hear him? Because the question today is not, is Jesus the Lord of all creation? Is he the Savior who rose from the dead? That's not the question today. That question has been discovered by many proofs. The question today is, is he your Lord? Is he your Savior? Now what's amazing today is that we're really crowded today. We have overflow today and and there are, there are folks in the overflow room today. And what we want to do, I want to ask our band to come up in both areas. I want both, both bands to come up. And in the overflow room, I know this is happening right now, unless Jesus returned and he hadn't gotten this far yet. No, I'm just kidding. It won't happen that way. But uh, Keith Davis is in there. Keith Davis is in there. So Keith, raise your hand. And um, our staff's going to be up here. Brad Ayler is going to be down front here in just a minute. In fact, I want our staff to come, come down right now. Our staff's all over the place, so here they are. No, no, they're not here yet. So we're doing a lot of stuff today. 
but we're going to have an invitation. And our staff is going to be down front. It may just be me, and that's okay. So I'll have some of our leaders come stand because our staff's running around somewhere. They're doing their job. Don't worry. But we'll have some leaders down front. So, Mike, I want you to come. Johnny, I want you to come down front. Barry, I want you to come down front. Right now. Y'all come on. These are men in, my, in our church that love Jesus and can help you. Mike, come over here. It'd be better. Mike, come over here. Mike, come over here. <laughs> That's okay. Brandon, I want you to go stand over there, please. Thank you. Thank you. Here's what we're going to do today. Brandon is our children's pastor, just baptized. After this service is over, Brandon is going to stay over by that door. And it may be difficult for you to walk this walk down right here. In the overflow, if you'll just talk to Keith and several of our... Keith, pick somebody if nobody's down front. We want to give you an opportunity. If God's speaking to you to come to Jesus... When the service is over, Brandon is going to stand over by that door after everybody is dismissing. Even if you don't come during this invitation, I want you to know it's not too late. Look, if God is speaking to you, I know it's crowded today. It's inconvenient. But let me tell you something. That's okay. We've been praying that God would draw you And so this is a safe place because every one of us at this church, we are broken people that God is working on. There's not one of us that are perfect here. And so this is a safe place. Would you come to him? Would you come to Jesus? Would you follow him? Would you listen to him?